You're listening to the Well Women Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's cycle health educator. Together, we're normalizing periods, cracking open real body talk, and femme rising the future. I'm here to remind you that your body is amazing. You can achieve balance, and body confidence all begins with your menstrual cycle. Get ready, beautiful. You're about to learn how to confidently reconnect with your body and discover your unique flow. Welcome to this week's episode. Today we have an amazing guest, Vicky J. Now, Vicky is a feminist photographer and filmmaker living part-time in Byron Bay, Australia. Together with her husband, beautiful hubby, they run an international production company called Drishti Studio that specializes in the health and wellness industry. Now, Vicky's personal brand focuses on women's rights and inclusivity. Her mission is to share women's stories authentically and powerfully through imagery and cinematography. Vicky, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. (laughs) I'll never forget when I met you in yoga. Like we met, like, I can't even remember how long ago it was, but at Essence here on the Gold Coast, where you were teaching uh, whilst you were traveling around the world. And now you've just literally blown out of proportion. You travel around the world still, but now you're taking photos and creating films with your amazing hubby. Yes, that's right. I think it was maybe about like five or six years ago now. I think it was quite a while. Yeah, because you've been traveling for ages. So I'm so excited because in this episode, we are talking about something pretty juicy and you've been working on a project, which is like a huge, just passion project for yourself. And um, it's a documentary and I'm not going to share about what the documentary is yet, but let's just get you to introduce yourself. So we always start our podcast off with, tell us Vic, what day of your cycle are you on and how are you feeling today? Like, what are you checking in with? Okay, well, I have to be totally honest. I did just work this out a couple of seconds ago, but I am on day 21 of my cycle, which apparently is my inner autumn. autumn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm learning, I'm learning. Um, and yeah, I feel really good today. I just went and uh, did a little bit of exercise. I'm trying to get back into my exercise after being traveling so much because we just don't have any consistency when we travel. So I'm really putting in a little bit of exercise size at the top of my priority list and I've ate loads of fruit and avocado this morning so I feel really good yay well I'm sure you're a bit under pressure too because you're about to launch an amazing documentary so tell our listeners and I want to know this too how did you go from being a yogi mm-hmm. to becoming a photographer to creating films and now creating a documentary about Beep. I'm going to let you tell us all what the documentary is about. Okay. Well, yes, I was, um, I was a yoga teacher for a while, which I absolutely loved. And I taught yoga and uh, really, really enjoyed it. And yoga really helped me. Like I'm quite an anxious, like uptight person. I can be sometimes like I get very worried about like life and different things. So yoga really helped me with that. And then we started traveling the world and we ended up uh, working at a surf and yoga retreat in Panama. And um, I've always been into photography at school um, and I ended up just doing the photography for this um, surf and yoga retreat that we worked at. So I started doing their social medias and doing all their surf photography and uh, taking pictures of people doing yoga. And then it kind of escalated from there. And um, my husband was a chef at the time. So um, I kind of just literally had this idea that I was like, you know what? I want to make videos and I want to take pictures full time. Like I love it so much. And I said to my husband, I walked in the kitchen one day and I said, 
you need to leave the kitchen, we're going to go and start a videography and photography company. And I have a lot of weird ideas. So it's kind of like, oh, okay, baby, like, let's just take a little moment. But then <laughs> after a while, like, it took me about 24 hours to convince him. And then he was, um, he was game. So then we launched our business and we started, because I was already in the yoga industry, it made it easy to transition to do that. So we ended up like our biggest part of our job now is we film so much like online yoga content, like instructional content, exercise videos, um, and so on and so forth. So we do a lot of that, but as much as I absolutely adore Drishti and I love my business of creating online yoga content and taking photos of yogis, me, myself, I'm a little feminist and I love people and I love women and I'm obsessed with their stories and trying to understand and educate myself on uh, what are my privileges as, you know, a white cis straight woman, you know, that was born in a, in a beautiful country. And, and, uh, and I always just wanted to create something more, which is why I started my personal brand, uh, Vicky J. And then I, um, onto the documentary, I woke up in the middle of, um, asleep one night and I'm not like a super spiritual person or anything like that like I'm my husband's very scientific so um I'm like in between the like science and spirituality realm I woke up in the middle of the night and I just sat up and I'm like Mickey and I'm like waking up Mickey 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 and he's like babe what I'm like I've got to make a documentary and he said okay baby and I said it's going to be about clits and he's like sorry I'm like, I'm going to make a documentary about clits. And he's like, okay, Bobby, like, let's just go back to sleep and we'll talk about this in the morning, you know? And I <laughs> scribbled my idea down next to me and I kept just writing like, um, me and her, or my clit and me, or me and my clitoris, or me, me and her and the clit, or, and everything like that. And I woke up in the morning and I was like, I just want to interview women about their clits. And then, so that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> and Mickey's like, uh are you crazy uh he just i mean yeah i feel like by this point mickey just you know there's an eye roll and then he just gets on with it that's about it really he's used to it by now he knows you very very well you guys have been together for a while um so tell okay so the documentary it is about clits so if you're listening to this and you're a bit unfamiliar with it the clitoris is what the documentary is all about now i found out about this documentary because it features all different women and I'll get you to expand on this, but I was one of the women who's been featured and interviewed for the documentary. And when um, I was reached out, like when I got the email about, would you like to be a part of this? And I saw it online. I was like, yes, put my hand up. I love everything about obviously women's health and women's well-being and women's body parts. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yes, I definitely want to be a part of it. And I have to say sitting there and being interviewed was very confronting because Mm -hmm. it's not very often you have an open conversation about your own clit with others let alone in a room full of cameras being filmed (laughs) so tell us about the documentary like what's it called and what was the vision of the documentary well so the documentary is called me and her a documentary about clits so it's a little bit of a long name but ultimately it's called me and her um the reason i say me and her is because well i wanted to keep it well there's two reasons why i didn't say like me and my clit because i think sometimes the word clit can be quite confronting for people and so um and also you know with facebook and instagram being so 
probably I want to use a little bit, I guess, the word oppressive to women and women's body parts and stuff like that, that um, I thought I would just keep it a little bit more elusive in general with me and her. Um, and, and I also wanted to give the women that maybe didn't feel comfortable when, it, when I'm interviewing them with the word clit to have the opportunity just to say her instead. So that's kind of why that came about. And, you know, I just thought like, I think there is a, a really beautiful movement in Australia where being a little bit more open about like periods and the vagina in general. And yeah, probably the vagina, I'd say, or the vulva, but the actual clitoris, nobody talks about nobody talks about and you know what I I knew it was a hush hush and I didn't realize how deeply um kept under the 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 word clitoris and what its functions are until I interviewed all the women not one interview that I did not one woman was ever told about their clitoris at school by their parents anything like that I interviewed a sexual uh, sex ed teacher that teaches uh, sex ed to teenagers in Australia and the word clitoris is not even in the curriculum like it, it blows my mind and I mean this is like I feel like it's it died the, the documentary is very playful but it also does dive into some more uh serious and um and and deep issues surrounding the clitoris and I think you know for me this is a part of the body that is solely solely designed for pleasure there is no other function to it you know like the vulva and the penis they do a lot of different things they pee they have periods blah 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 but the clitoris is only designed for pleasure and the fact like this is the truth when I found it when I was probably like um 12, 13, me and my mom were really close. And I was like, um, you know, we told each other a lot. And I told her when I had my period and we were very open and stuff. But I found my clit and I was like, oh my God, this is the best thing that I've ever experienced in my life. Maybe my mom doesn't have one because surely she would have told me out of all the crap that she tells me on a day-to-day basis about cleaning <laughs> my room, ironing my clothes, surely she would have taken five minutes to say like, hey baby, like, there's this thing, you can touch it, it's fine, it feels great, but nothing, nothing. So I probably spent the first year of finding my clitoris thinking, is it just me that has one? Like, why have I never heard about this? So yeah, I mean, like I say, it kind of stemmed from a wanting to, um, I love humans, I love stories, I love people's stories, and I love talking about things that make people feel uncomfortable, which is really weird, it's a bit sadistic of me, but I do really like those conversations, you know, and so yeah, we got to work and we interviewed 53 women altogether from the age of 15 to 75, I think was my oldest lady. Wow. Yeah, and uh, it was, it's phenomenal, it's, I'm equally nervous and equally excited to share it with the world (laughs) it's such like I have chills thinking about it and even just being in the room whilst being interviewed and being filmed for the documentary is it just feels like such a great movement and for everyone listening to this podcast and if you're listening to it for the first time and you don't know this yet the three topics I talk the most about is poo periods and sex And I actually shared um, this on Instagram yesterday. I have to read it out. I have to pull it up and show you Um, because it's so true. When it comes to poo, we all shit. And if we didn't shit, we would die. Mm -hmm. So we've we've literally been pooing the entire tree, like the entire time I've been alive. We exist because of sex. Like Mm -hmm. people, like there's, 
in your group of friends, there's women who talk about it a lot and then there's women who just don't mention it at all. It's like, that never happens. Oh, yeah. but I'm pregnant. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, clearly it did happen or it does yeah. happen once. Yeah. Um, but then with periods, it's interesting because we all exist because of a period. And so this Instagram post that I put up yesterday, it says, guys that are grossed out about girls getting their periods are lame. I'm sure your mother was praying to get hers, but got you instead. Tragic. I love that. That is brilliant. Because the three, like, poo, periods, and sex, they affect all people, mm. like all humans, regardless of your gender. Yeah. And I think awareness is so important and like you breaking the taboo topic of like the clit and the clitoris is that you're right. It's not talked about a lot. And I shared in the documentary, you'll have to go watch the documentary to see my part um, about like when I found out about it and you know, what I learned about my, my journey and getting to know my, uh, my own her, you could call mm. it, you could label it as you have for the doco. So Tell us, Vic, what are some of the questions that you ask in the documentary? Because you like 53 women, that's a lot of women. That is a lot of women. And you know, the as the interviews, like I think I went in with a very like preconceived idea of like what questions I wanted to ask. And then I kind of found that with each individual woman, uh, each individual woman, their stories and uh, their experiences and their life um, events led some of the questions you know but I asked every single woman and I guess this would be something good for any listeners to think about as well I, my first question was for every single woman is how old were you when you met her and how did you meet her so that was my very first question which is uh really fun because if you're listening now I, I guarantee you're like hmm when did I meet her? So mm -hmm. that was a good one. Um, I asked a lot about like upbringing, like, um, you know, and some people just kind of, I guess like a general thing was people like, you know, just wasn't talked about in the house. Um, not that they had uh, very conservative families, not that they had super liberal families. It just wasn't discussed, which is totally fine. Like I can imagine it being very daunting having to tell your daughter or your son about, you know, pleasure and stuff like that. But it's it's not really an excuse anymore do you know what I mean like I think that my biggest takeaway from this which makes me a little bit sad because I I guess I'm under the impression that as women we're evolving and um and we're becoming equal and we're fighting for our rights but it's very layered and in some areas yes and in some areas not at all like I really thought that um a lot of the older generations that I interviewed said that back in their day it was just not spoken about they didn't know what masturbation was they didn't do it um, they didn't when they were with a man it was about servicing if you will the man and they would just lay there and do their part and so I'm like okay so I thought all right but surely surely like the 20 year olds the 22 year olds they're gonna be like listen up boys like this is how this works like you know like you either help me please myself or I'll do it myself or whatever it is and sadly a lot of the young girls that I interviewed, I asked them two questions back to back. I said, how important is the clitoris in uh, reaching orgasm for you? And of course, every single one of them was like, it's the only way I orgasm, um, which is so normal for women. Like not a lot of women have cervical orgasms. I never have, like I'm clit all the way. Um, and not a lot of women orgasm from penetration. Like that, that is our sex organ, the clitoris, and especially the inside of the clitoris as well. So... Uh, they said that that's the only way they reach an orgasm. And then I said, okay, so babies, then how comfortable are you at communicating with your partner or your lover what they need to do to help you reach orgasm? And they said, oh, no, no, 
I wouldn't tell him that because, you know, what if I hurt his feelings? Or I don't want him to think he's doing it wrong. So then, you know, I get home that night and I'm sat there speaking to my husband and I'm like, so these little, you know, these younger women are still laid there in sex, knowing how to get themselves off, but not, not bringing that into their sexual experience still because of a male ego or whatever it might be. And that was a little bit sad for me because I mean, I'm very open with my husband. I'm happy to be like left, right, up, down, circle, around. Like I'm happy to, to say what needs to be said. I've got a long relationship <laughs> circle with him. around. I'm like, get back around, honey. Like, <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, I think that made me a little sad. And it, but, it, but it also kind of spurred me on to really push forward in the documentary because, you know, I, I bet a lot of people will watch this and then maybe start that conversation with their partners or their lovers. Like my biggest, my biggest dream with this documentary is, is to simply start a conversation. Like, and not everybody has to be, this is what I, my clit likes or talk about with their friends or talk about it in a family. I'm not saying that like each person's still individual. Some people are more private, some people aren't, but just to at least have that conversation with yourself and with, um lovers or partners you know it's it's so important and i think um i think we're all a bit tired now just laying there and faking it or you know servicing someone else and it's about time we you know took it all back and 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 tapped into that big pleasure i mean i love all of this Vic. i'm so excited because globally women are feeling a big shift and pull and change in i guess the shift of hierarchy Mm. not in a, a social economic way, but in relationships is we're becoming more confident and comfortable in expressing ourselves and in our bodies. And I personally, I know that you would have noticed this in the documentary. So let me know what, um, what you recognized in what I'm about to share. But for me being the older I've got, the more confident I've become in my body. And that's where the that can be for many different reasons. And it's the same with your period. The more periods you have, the more confident you become with your period or your bleeding time. It's the same with the more relationships you have, the more you get to understand yourself. And that's not just a romantic relationship. That's relationships with friends, with family, with colleagues, with anybody in the community. But sexually with your clit, it's the same thing. The more you get to know it, the more comfortable you are. And therefore the more comfortable you can be with others. And I know in the past for me like sexual partners is like it hasn't really been a thing and i would love to know from the women listening like do you share this with your partner and if you don't why don't you yeah it's it's really interesting like i think that it i this is what i mean when i say like i feel torn sometimes because sometimes i do feel like we're progressing and we're um we're fighting the, the good fight of feminism and we're getting our equality and our voices heard. But then in, in some areas, I, I also worry that um, it's not the case. And in some areas, it could be like dropping and, and right. Like, I think it's like very like this at the minute. And so I think it's just about having awareness for all the different issues of women. Like I'm very passionate currently as well about, you know, with feminism and ensuring that our feminism is intersectional, that women of color and black women and queer people and all this are included in that feminism and I think that um, it's very interesting like some of the older women 
yeah it was very varied some of the older women are exactly like what you said don't have time for this anymore like you either help me get pleasure or I'll do it myself like I'm not gonna waste time like I'm not gonna have sex with you unless I orgasm as well like why would that be uh you know why would we do it unless we both feel pleasure like it should be enjoyable for us so there was definitely that and then there was still this um on the flip side of the coin there was still this um one of the saddest ones that made me uh, feel quite sad as well as uh, i was interviewing this lovely woman and she was from um i think her parents were from india and uh they found out that she was having sex when she was like i think uh, maybe 14 or 13 or something like that and the mum said to her in such an exasperated way like why did you start so young you do know you're going to have to do this for the rest of your life. So you imagine what that mother's experience has been of sex and pleasure and intimacy when she's not even angry at the daughter. She's not even like frustrated. She's just like, why you're going to have to do this for the rest of your life? You know, I mean, like, like, like a, task. A, a task, exactly. And so it was, there was no, I couldn't, I couldn't always find a pattern that applied to everyone. The only pattern that I found that applied to every single woman is that none of them were ever taught about it in school. They were maybe at the most pointed that out. Okay, this is the clitoris. Now this is the uh, vagina opening. This is where the penis goes in to get pregnant. But that's it. Like there was nothing. Like there was nothing. Like in school, they all learned how a male ejaculates and how a female gets pregnant. And our pleasure was just completely overlooked. So that was the only pattern that I could apply to every woman. Apart from that, I would say most people's um, were varied, but what also applied to a lot of the older ladies. Like some women were just like, no excuses anymore. And I love that. So yeah it, it was it was strange i think it's true what you say as you evolve and as you get older you do have less i think tolerance for accepting what you accepted when you were young but i just wish these babies would oh, these like beautiful women that are so strong in one sense and so liberated in one sense are still so like behind in another and that's not their fault like that's not their doing mm -hmm. this is like society's conditioning of us that we should just be there to serve we should just be there to please we should just lay there and allow the man why should he have to put in the work blah 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 and it's just yeah it's interesting it's very interesting it's such an interesting topic because if i think about it from a personal experience <clears throat> and i'm happy to like everyone knows who listens to this podcast i don't share anything but i know that not until recently i always thought that if a male didn't ejaculate or orgasm or climax whatever you want to call it during sex or <clears throat> sexual experience then I hadn't fulfilled my, my, not my job, but I hadn't, like I was a letdown or there was something yeah. wrong with me or, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. This and is what I mean. It's, hmm. it's, it's focused on, on the male sex really. Like that is what it's always been. Like, I interviewed a 74 year old woman who, from what I can gather, she never orgasmed. She doesn't masturbate. She's never orgasmed. She um, is this beautiful grandma, but just not nothing. And then on the flip side, I interviewed another 74-year-old woman who's just starting to get into tantric sex. So, I mean, it's just you don't know what you're going to get. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it just goes to show that it doesn't matter how old you are. 
yeah, yeah, pleasure is pleasure. And it's it's interesting. There are men out there who are very, um, I guess from my personal experiences, men who are like, no, this is about you. I want you to enjoy this. And it yeah. actually has nothing to do with them. Like it just yeah. goes just for me, it's been a lesson that you can have both ways. Like it's good to yeah. give, but it's also good to surrender. Absolutely. So it's the whole the polar between, I guess, the dance of feminine and masculinity. Absolutely. I think in, in sexual experiences, I think it should be so enjoyable for both people involved. Like, I think like my favorite thing, especially when you're personally, when I'm in love and with my husband, seeing him feel pleasure brings me so much pleasure and vice versa. Like we both just want to um, fulfill each other's needs and da da da. But I think even in a one night stand, it should still all like casual sex. Or, you know, if you, if you're very, very fluid and you and you've got a partner but you sleep with other people whatever your situation might be in every sexual experience it should be enjoyable for both people and both people uh, should come away feeling very fulfilled from that otherwise mm. it can't just always be one or the other do you know what I mean and I, I think that I, my hope is that women will get there but it, it's a long I think there's a long road ahead for, for that to be especially because you know we live in bar and I'm surrounded by very sexually liberated women but that's not the case uh, in, in many other places so nah it's very easy to think well surely everyone's having clitoral orgasms by now let's talk about cervical now because that's the next like kind of thing but some people have it some people don't even know what their clitoris is yet you know some people aren't even comfortable to tell their partner and every woman is so different like i interviewed one woman who can only orgasm if she pulls the sheets between her legs and humps the sheets one woman can only do it if she like lies on her belly and humps her hands like one woman can can only do it if she's on top and it's so different like I like I have to have my eyes closed and my hand over my mouth which is just so strange like I'm over <laughs> that's just the way I like I, I everyone is so different and I think one of the main sticking points as to why we're not comfortable expressing our personal needs with our lovers and with our partners is because we all feel like the way we are is weird and it's not what we maybe, for example, represented in porn. You know, the women are screaming and roaring and it's ecstasy. That's not how it happens. Like most women have to concentrate and focus and be like razor sharp in, in, in concentrating. And that's fine. However it is, you orgasm, that's fine. A very interesting one we had was with um, a woman who is um, bisexual and she sleeps with men and women. And she, um, <laughs> she said to me, actually, when she started sleeping with women, she um, kind of empathized with, with men a little bit of how different each woman was and how, uh, how much conversation was needed to understand each different woman. Like she thought, oh, I've got a clitoris. This will be easy. I'll do to her what I like done to myself and we're going to be gold. And it was just not the case. She was like, I actually sat there. I was like, holy shit. Like, yeah you know, guys do have it pretty, you know, we're all so different. So what she enjoyed her uh, female partner really didn't like and wanted it done in a different way. So I think if we can all get over the fact that whatever we personally like or need to reach orgasm um, is fine and it's not weird and it's not strange, but until we have these conversations, we will continually sit on our own thinking, I'm weird, I'm, I'm strange, I can't communicate this. And it's not the case. And I know women think that about so much about themselves, like so many aspects. Oh, this is the thought that I have. So it's not right. 
Mm. Or this is the expectation I have of myself. Or this is what society says is what we need to do. Um, I was just thinking that um, whilst you were talking about the bisexual having the different experiences with, with women is it would be such a fascinating, I guess you could say sequel. And we'll talk about sequels because I know you've got something to share about that, but to interview men yes, around their, like their relationship, like how old were they when they found out about it? Yeah. Yeah. Like similar, like wouldn't it be amazing to, to get to understand men's like outlook on what the clit is do they understand it do they not like do do they talk about it in their groups of friends yeah is it you know because i know that like when guys talk about sex i doubt they talk about the clitoris i highly doubt that i mean maybe my (laughs) husband does because i think he's the most educated man on clitorises right now after listening to all the interviews (laughs) yeah and he was present for them too so he's very much yeah yeah oh mickey maybe he could interview the guys he knows, bless his heart. Um, no, absolutely. I like. He could be interviewed. Yeah, possibly. He's very shy, so I'm not sure. But yeah. Oh my God, Vic! This has been so juicy. Tell us. I know the documentary is coming out soon. When is the release date? How can people learn about the documentary? How can people watch the documentary? And I heard there's a rumor that there might be a sequel or two. So tell us about that. Yes. Well, I will. So. My, um, so the, the first premiere of the documentary is uh, February the 27th and it's at Brunswick Picture House for those of you that are living around the Gold Coast Byron Bay area. Um, so that's really exciting. We have like a big, we have a big night. We've got like a comedian coming to do like some stand up about the clitoris. We have a massive raffle where we're raising money for Desert Flower Foundation, which is um, fighting to end female genital mutilation. And we've had some incredible um, raffle donations. Like um, we've got like a house cleaning companies donated three hours of housekeeping. Juliet Allen's donated one of her crystal pleasure ones. Um, we've got like this big box of lube and sex paint and stuff like that. That's, people have donated incredible crap. So anyway, that's up further. And then we'll show the documentary. And we also have a guest speaker coming to do a little talk on clits. So it, it's going to be a really good night. I kept the tickets really cheap. I think they're around like $15, $16. So uh, if you're around, definitely come. And then I have a second screening in Melbourne on March the 12th at Lido Cinemas. Same type of deal, stand-up raffle uh, panel. And then after that, we'll be releasing it online probably mid, mid to late March. So it'll be up online then, Yeah. <laughs> I am beyond excited. And for everyone who's listening, I will have all of those links so that you can come watch the opening screening. I will be there at Brunswick, which is local to where I am in Australia on the Gold Coast. Um, So I will see Vic there in person. Very excited. Um, But yeah, Melbourne, um, if you want to watch it online, I'll pop all the links in the show notes. Um, Vicky, I've loved having you on the show to talk about all of these juicy topics. I know that it's going to really challenge women to think about their clitoris and their clit and their relationship with her a little bit differently. And I hope this podcast inspires everyone to start a conversation, to share yeah. a little bit more about your clit with, with your partner or with a romantic person that you're, you know, having sexual experience with or yeah. with a friend um, or with your children. Yeah. Um, so Vic, thank you so much for joining us. Now, before we wrap up, it's a question I ask all of our guests is I would love to hear from you. What are three 
things you wish you knew as a teen girl in your early menstruation years that you now know now that you wish you knew then? About, about menstruation, right? Yeah, or, or it can be anything. Just like some tips that you wish. Like I knew. Imagine a teenager is listening to this. Yeah. What's something you wish you knew at her age that you now know now about your body as a woman yeah. and anything to do with anything womanly? Um, oh, that's a really good one. I think um, I really wish – well, the first thing that pops into mind, which is really weird, is I kind of wish I – the environmental pact of periods, um, like the the environmental impact that, that they had. So like, I really enjoy like my diva cup and my thinks pants. Like I feel a lot more liberated, I guess, within my period now, knowing that there are incredible companies out there that are fre like friendly for the world and support me. And like things like buying a diva cup, I don't have to buy tampons anymore. I don't have to buy pads. Like, you know, it's like a small investment that lasts a lifetime. So I, I think I wish I knew that, you know, tampons never felt really good for me. They always made me feel uncomfortable. And since I've had my diva cup, I've just felt really good during my period. So that would probably be that. Um, another one would probably be um, that I wish I understood, and I still don't actually that much, but I do wish that I would have understood more about um, hormones during that time. Like I think that I have very extreme hormones during my um, menstruation and I can be very emotional and very volatile. My poor husband is just like, he could tell me I'm beautiful and I'd just be like, you are the bane of my life. Like I can be very like intense. And so I think I wish I kind of understood that although I'm in control to some extent, like this is normal to feel the wave of different hormones and emotions. You know, I always thought there's something wrong with me. Um, and the third one that I wish I knew was that it's okay to talk to your partner about it. Like, you know, now, like when I did used to use tampons, now I'm like, could you pop around the shop and get me some tampons, babe? And he would, or, um, oh, my period's coming. Like, I just need you to be really patient with me the next couple of days. Okay, I will. Like, I wish that I knew it was okay. Um, because for the first few years of being with my husband, I would like hide it and be like, oh, oh no, we can't have sex. Or we can't, you know, I would, it's like almost so it's very strange that we would keep that secret I guess so yeah I wish I knew that it's okay to talk about it as well amazing I love all of those they're such great reflections and things I wish I knew as well you know <laughs> there's yeah. so much that we just don't know when we're teens and tweens and starting this journey of womanhood as we move through Menzies so I love all of the shares you've had today Vic congratulations on the documentary Thank on you. me and her I can't wait to see it I've seen the trailer I'm going to include the links for that in the podcast episode in the show notes so you can check it out but Vicky thank you so much for joining us on the episode I've loved having you thank you so much for having me it's been uh, so much fun thank you here's to normalizing clips Thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the Well Women podcast. I trust you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. If you got a lot out of it too, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast app. This means together we can inspire, connect and educate even more women. Now, is there a bestie, a sister or a friend who you know may be frustrated and confused with their health? Are they ready to discover new aspects of themselves too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your social media, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to their ears. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our bodies. 
And be sure to tag me in it too. Hashtag Well Women Podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle. 